Welcome to Who Owns the Stars, a podcast dedicated to recapping and analyzing every episode of The Expanse. I am one of your hosts, Kat, and with me is Nina. Oh, okay. You're going to keep going. <laughs> I mean, I thought you'd want to say hi to the people. I don't need an intro. The people know who I am. And today we will be re- not recapping. We will be reacting, not recapping. Thank you, Kat, my friend. <laughs> to season five, episode five, down and out. Um, like before, this is a part of our bonus series where we won't be analyzing the full episode, but we will just be giving our initial thoughts and reactions and how we think the season is going to pan out. And then as we continue our series of full episode analyses, we will eventually come back to this episode and deep into the whole thing. But today it's just a lot. Just reacting. Yes. Uh, so where Kat, do you want to start? I was going to ask you, what did, what did you think? I actually really liked this episode. It was a nice come down from all the intensity of the first four, which is not to say there wasn't any action or anything happening, but I kind of felt like I could breathe in a good way. Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite plot from this episode? Oh, uh... So I actually limited my notes this time and I forgot to put the timer. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to put the mic back to you while I set up our timer and make sure we don't go crazy. Um, So back to you. That's fine. Well, if you don't know at this point, I am all about Naomi. Okay. 20 minutes has started. Back to me. (laughs) So I am, I'm actually going to agree with you. My favorite. I don't know how you can agree with me when I didn't really get it out, but continue. You already know. My favorite thing to watch in this episode was the whole journey with Naomi. Um, I think what's really interesting is that I didn't realize, like, okay, so the twist at the end of the episode is that the Rossi uh, is going to blow up, right? And there's, like, a couple moments in the episode that give you that hint or give you that sense of unease. And I didn't catch any of them mm-hmm. until I finished it and until I basically read what people were saying. Um, so that <laughs> was, like, my own ignorance. Because there's this one really, really cool – since I assume we're just going to – should we just start with the the big one? The just, you know. Hit it. Yeah. What the, the, the one scene I thought was really cool – was after Naomi is about to shank Marco um, and she My doesn't girl. succeed. And I was so scared because I was like, I know you're not going to succeed. And this whole, I mean, this whole episode, I was like, I felt so much, not shame, but like secondhand embarrassment because for her, everything she's doing is like being like watched and observed and like laughed at or, or not taken seriously by these people. And so I just felt that same, like, just uncomfortable tension the whole time. And so that final moment or that final act where she's she's trying to kill Marco, I'm like, I know it won't happen. And so I'm so scared for what's going to happen to her. But, you know, Philip uh, hauling her off is like the nicest thing that could have happened. So I'm very glad that it went that way. But then there's this little bit where he says, um, you should be glad I took you. I saved your life. And the camera kind of My moves to Naomi. My mother would never let me get away with that. 
<laughs> um, and the camera moves to Naomi and she kind of makes a face like she's just made a realization. And when I was watching, I assumed I was like, oh, okay, so maybe what's happened here is that Philip saw the knife in Naomi's hand, saw what she was trying to do, and instead of uh, drawing attention to it, got her out of the situation without exposing what she was trying to do. Maybe That's what I was trying to understand. Because like his expression when he came over to her, it looked more worried than I thought the situation warranted unless he knew. Right. And so I was like, okay, maybe that's what's going on here. And maybe what Naomi is realizing is that Philip isn't as uh, sold to the other side as she thought. Then, of course, the actual realization is that Naomi realizes that Philip took her aboard uh, Marco's ship in order to save her because otherwise she would have gone back to the Rocinante and she would have died. Right. So... I guess plot clarification for anybody else who might have been confused. But I mean, I want to return back to that scene real quick because I really love the way that Dominique played it. Mm-hmm. She's the way she moves. She's like stalking through the room like she's hunting him. So I really loved that. Um, <laughs> them deciding to blow up the Rossi with the Augustine Gamara code. That was so wicked. That's such a Mm -hmm. wicked thing to do. But I think the point is, yeah, get the Rossi off the board. But also, Marco is ending this new life that Naomi has created with the very same thing that ended the life they had together. Wow. Bars. (laughs) (laughs) He's actually such a jackass. I love him so much. I, I mean, like, I'm really trying to, like, keep what I the thoughts I have limited because I honestly could just sit for 45 minutes and just watch Naomi, Marco, and Philip just interact with each other. Absolutely. There's so much. And so I just, I'm a, I'm, I don't want to start talking about it because I won't stop talking about it. So I'll, I'll just agree with you. That's, that's where I'll <laughs> cut myself off. Okay, then the one quick thing I want to say about that plot. Oh, not even necessarily the plot, but just to show the influence that Marco has over their world right now. The way the recap is just solely his speech, his voice. And yes! To it. He's just wrested control of the world, but the narrative as a whole. took control of the narrative! <laughs> My man. Wow. I w- that, was, that was in my notes, too. I, I, and I, I, I'll use that to jump off to another point. I love how the show is, like, uh, taking creative liberties with, like, just normal show things, like the recap, like the title card, things like that. Because what I noticed in this episode's title card is that, obviously, we know this season, every title of every episode is a little bit different. The difference in this episode that I noticed, and there are probably other differences, is that there's two shots. One of the shots is that the the ships are going through the ring, and then later there's a bit where the ships are moving backwards, almost like out of the ring. And I, I know that we haven't seen that before because otherwise I wouldn't have noticed it. And so obviously my mind immediately jumps to, okay, we're time traveling, even though this is like not that kind of show. 
blah, blah, blah. I don't want any spoilers or how time relates to this show. So I'll just say for the purposes of how I like to see time travel, I know that's not this kind of show. And in the last part of the card, when it, you know, opens on like, I don't know, like if that's a planet or an asteroid that's like cover half covering the sun, but usually it's just a, like a zoom into it. This time there's a little bit of a filter before it zooms into it. And it feels like you're you're going through the ring to see it. So those are two new differences that I saw. And I assume that these both have to, I mean, I guess this is like uh, foresight, but like I assume these two things kind of have to do with Mars because the whole thing regarding Mars hasn't even like touched the plot yet. So the thing that we're talking around. That, that I literally don't know. Like, I say that I, 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 it's almost like I know the detail. I know the words. I just don't know how any of the words connect together. So I know Mars is somehow involved in all this. I know that Mars is something, something with the ring. Like, that's literally the extent of my knowledge. So when I bring that up, because it was interesting, because it's Mars didn't really have a big role in this episode. So it was interesting that this is the episode where it it brought up these two little changes. It felt like how in the first three episodes, you saw the asteroids going past certain um, planets or or other like rocks because the rocks hadn't landed yet, but it was almost like a warning, like they're still coming. Wow. You're so perceptive, so observant. You know it. That's why you're the backbone of this podcast. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, to, Not too do much. we want to keep talking much. about, you know, the intro or Marco and Naomi and Philip? Um, I my wrote my notes chronologically, mm-hmm. so it's up to you. Then, if you have any more thoughts, we can jump right back to it. Um, in the meantime, do we want to jump to Earth? Yes, yes. Uh, I just want to say I love the guest actor. <laughs> Um, the guy who played Konachek or Tiny, depending on what you want to call him. Yeah. He brought some levity into the show that we don't always get. I thought it was a fun interpretation, too, because he's a pretty, like, stereotypical character. So I, I liked that he was, like, it was fun until he wasn't fun. But it was a good, it was a good um, addition. And you knew he and Amos were going to have to go at it. Yeah, I <laughs> it's interesting because rewatching the episode back, the the whole plot on Earth was sort of my least favorite part. I think it's because a lot of those scenes were very like expositional, or maybe mm-hmm. not ex- exposition isn't the right word, but not very emotional. It was literally like, how do we get from point A to point B? And there's no emotional realization in any of that. So I found that to be like not as interesting to watch back because I knew what was going to happen. Like I knew they were going to have to get uh, the other prisoner. I knew to open the elevator doors. I knew they were going to shoot the bullets. And like, I was like, okay, like let's just move along. For me, the most interesting part was really that last bit when they get out on top of the building and there's like six things happening at once. One of which is Clarissa's mods are back which is, there's like a whole five minutes where she like collapses on the ground and she's like convulsing and everybody else is trying to fight to the death. We don't have time to worry about you right now, girl. 
it's almost I actually felt it was kind of like a bait and switch because the way the camera was on her, it felt like she was dropping because her mods came back on and she was going to be the one to save Amos. And then it turns out that Rona was the one who used the gun to save him. So I kind of assumed that was like intentional. Um, so if it was, that was a really cool like visual um, red herring. They do love those. I thought this plot was good for the continuing theme of who has authority or how you're going to keep clinging to a structure long after it's gone, as evidenced by them still worrying about the prison as it's literally crumbling around them. Yeah. So watching Amos continue to talk to these security guards, these prison guards, and they're still acting as though, you know, things are normal. It reminds me of way, way back in season one when Amos asked Holden, you think rank matters out here? Yeah. (laughs) The world is ending around them and they're still holding on to the things that they know, even though that doesn't really have a place in the world that they're in right now. Yeah, it's interesting because I was watching the after shows that they do, that the cast and crew do. And there's one episode where West, who plays Amos, talks about, um, like, in the first few episodes, Amos is, like, really uncomfortable because he's dealing with these, like, really emotional situations and he's not, like, he doesn't know how to handle that. And then West said something like, but Amos is really good in a crisis. And you see that in this episode where, like, the, the whole thing comes crashing down and it's like a switch turns on. And he's not panicking like everybody else. He knows what he needs to do. He he has that survival instinct. So that was uh it was it was it was nice to see Amos back in his element. I think I'm gonna be interested in like what happens next because there's five more episodes. Amos is stuck on Earth with Clarissa. I have no idea what they're going to do now. I have yet to see him as a type of like lead action hero and i feel like that's the that's what his story is kind of following the genre of so i'm curious to see what they do with him you know i really haven't seen enough like apocalypse movies to figure out (laughs) where amos and clarissa's story is going for the show I having read nemesis games i'm really excited to see what they kept and didn't keep Yeah, I think the other thing actually, like as we're talking about it is I have, it's been a while since like we've seen Amos's point of view, if that makes sense. Like he's usually reacting to what others are like uh, other people's more main point of view. And Mm -hmm. so this whole break, like prison break, essentially is 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 from him. So like, you are the closest to his thoughts and feelings that you've ever been, which like, and that's kind of what's making me, like, curious because it's almost, like, making me see him more as a real person. Not that he wasn't a real person before now, but he was very much, like, a collection of characteristics before now because I saw him as a representation of something or I saw him through his relationships with others. But seeing him as just his own character um, being put up against these conflicts that, you know, Holden or Naomi are not going to get him out of, that's also what's, like, intriguing about this. I mean, right, because he's always been a supporting character in larger plots, or he's had, like, smaller arcs that play out across a few episodes. Yeah. 
So I think that shift is also really cool to see, knowing that in the books, Nemesis Games, which is season five, is the first time we actually do get an actual Amos POV. You know what it is? I just realized. Um, He's driving the plot forward for once. That's what it is. I, I, I hope that doesn't come off as like insulting, but like, that's why it feels so. Yeah, Wes is going to come on the cup podcast and cuss you out. <laughs> like, but it's a good thing because it's like, oh, what happens when Amos is the one on, on the wheel? You know, like, that's why I'm referencing Holden and Naomi specifically, because they're the two characters that in this uh, section of people are really the ones who who make plot changing decisions or do crazy things. And Amos, like you said, even his smaller arcs are really like work around sort of the main plot. So that's what it is. Like he has to make the decision of like what happens next. So that's something like I I I feel like we haven't seen in full force before. Right. Is that all we want to say about Earth? Yeah, unless you have something. <laughs> okay, then let's move. Let's talk about drummer. Okay, okay. So Drummer has one scene in this episode, and she makes the most of it, as usual. Uh, A couple notes that I have. Uh, The first is that the intro labels the ships as Drummer's faction. I jumped a little bit because I don't think we've seen that label before, and it felt very like, oh, faction, as you mean as opposed to Marco's faction, as in Drummer versus Marco, because I'm very excited. Um, That was the first thing I noticed. Second thing. I love that we're still living in this like grief sort of bubble with drummer. It's really nice to to have the show spend so much time with a character who is really like has lost a lot at this point. Like first she lost Ashford and she blames herself. Now she's lost Fred Johnson, who arguably meant more to her. Or she had no, or at least she's known for longer than Ashford, and she's lost him for the same reasons, and so now she blames herself even more. And I love that the show like actually brings that up on like how she feels because you know trauma is real, and like having a character like Drummer be emotional is always very interesting because of who she is. Um, there's one line that her girlfriend, who's like I don't know any of the names of the other people on her crew. But her, like, main girlfriend, because we get the most screen time from her, she says, you cannot live backward. Um, And I think Drummer says, like, it's, but it's really hard to look forward. But I thought that was an interesting line because I wonder, like, there's a lot of sort of sayings or phrases with the Belters that derive from their living conditions. And so I kind of wonder Mm -hmm. if the, like, whole, you cannot live backward is, like, means more than it, than, than what she's saying is, like, even the concept of living in space um, what I have learned this year is that ships in space in the expanse cannot physically move backward. Um, I guess they can only flip and go back the other direction. So I wonder if that's like a phrase with that kind of history where like if you physically can't go back. And so now as a culture, like you don't think about moving backward. So that was that makes sense. And I mean, a lot of the lines, the writing in this show is very intentional. Mm-hmm. So... If you're reading that and it makes sense, I mean. Wow, incredible. We have two minutes it. left, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> then quickly. Let me sprint. Let me sprint. Okay, a couple more things. Uh, Drummer doesn't lie. She hasn't lied since her appearance on the show, which 
I find very interesting and uh, and fascinating character. Didn't traits. she sell out Fred Johnson when she was working with Anderson Dawes back in season two? No, she didn't. That was her whole thing. Okay. Oh no okay, no! Gotcha, gotcha. See, that was the first moment that she that she decided not to betray Fred. But we'll get into that in the analysis. Um, drummer doesn't lie. Uh, number two, she said. <laughs> I just loved this line where. Uh, somebody said, oh, Fred Johnson, he's a good man for an earther. Drummer, he's a good man, period. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Um, oh, wow, I wrote Drummer Doesn't Lie twice. <laughs> was, you really felt that shit. Huh? I was so distracted by that. Uh, there's a little bit where, uh, and, I, and Drummer Doesn't Lie because she's telling them we're going to see Marco. Because that's the kind of thing where you would hide from your like crew. You would just do that yourself. So that's why I brought it up. Um, but there's this little moment, last thing about Drummer, this little moment with her and her girlfriend and the crew is asking drummer okay so what do we do drummer's hands are on the table her girlfriend puts her hands on the table but one of the hands mm-hmm. is over drummers and then drummer pulls her hands back like in like Ooh. a sort of a soldier's position it's like this little interaction and it's very intentional because then the girlfriend reacts um mm-hmm. because i what I, what we're seeing i imagine is this this tension between like drummer needs to face her grief and face like everything that she's feeling versus drummer is reacting in the way she knows best, which is to become cold and calculating and focus on the mission. So I think, I obviously think that's going to become more of a conflict later on, but those are my notes on drummer. Um, I think you said she moves like into a soldier's position. Mm-hmm. I love that wording because Marco has claimed himself to be the military arm of the belt. So we've noticed a couple of parallels. We have. We have. Marco. <laughs> so that's exciting, especially knowing that they're finally going to face off again. The idea that we're so excited for these two like secondary characters to face off. Oh, jeez. Uh, is kind of a testament to the nobody heard that <laughs> it's kind of a testament to the writing it is because they're such they're so strong like the writing for them is so good they're so well defined we understand how they think we understand why mm-hmm. and how their circumstances have led them to the point where they're at yeah um, I know the timer went off. However, <laughs> I just want to talk about Sakai. Yes, really yes, 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 yes. Um, Sakai talks about how even though Tycho Station is supposed to be a stronghold for the belt, it's still being led and controlled by Earthers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the bone of contention with Fred Johnson. Because I appreciated him while he was alive. But ultimately, I don't think it's really a coincidence that once he starts getting more face time with Earth, that his number two and the people in charge also end up being Earthers. Mm -hmm. So what are you really doing for the belt if Earth really just has to steal deal with Earthers rather than Belters? Are you actually commanding respect for them? How are we changing their circumstances and their living conditions? Yeah, this episode as a whole, I think, really put into words, like, almost to try and justify why Marco would even do, would even um, attack Earth in this way. Like, for us, for people who, I like, mean, side note, all of season four justified it. I mean, the whole show, you could argue. <laughs> right. And I, I'm, and I bring that up to say, like, for us, we are people who, like, 
we like the the stories with the belters we think that's probably like some of the most interesting stuff so for us it's pretty it's really easy and we don't even need that justification we like we're on episode three and we're like yeah this checks out or episode four when the rocks in, we're like yeah this this makes absolute sense not that it's like a good thing to do but like yes i can absolutely see how we got from point a to point b um but i think this episode was almost a little more for like the audience as a whole to really explicitly outline exactly why for those people who maybe didn't connect those dots or maybe still don't totally understand it um specifically with Sakai and I think some of the some of the conversations um on Marco's ship but yeah I like I love Sakai's whole thing where Holden says you had a good life and Sakai says I had a job I think she said something I had a job where I was working for an earther who was working for mm-hmm. an earther and she's like you think that's like our idea of freedom and it's not and pretty much laying out like what we have been inferring from the characters and I, this other thing that Sakai says which I love she says he was a tourist about Fred Johnson like number one Fred just died so RIP but also she's not like her anger is not unjustified um so i yeah just i i mean i love i love the 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 actress they chose for for this role it's just such a great addition she plays bitterness so well and but she can still inject some comedy into it yeah yeah um one more thing on holden when the for his intro in this episode is him reaching out to naomi really it's really depressing by the way this whole episode i think because he's just lost his friend. He doesn't know where his girlfriend is. His whole family's like... Montana's in shambles. Montana's- oh, yeah. He said the grid went down. And I went, no! Mother Elise! Um, there's this little moment where it's he he kind of gives the whole speech. He's like, I can't reach out to you. They have the protomolecule, et cetera, et cetera. And then there, he's like a, makes a motion on his like phone or whatever the equivalent of a phone is. Um, and I th- I assumed he was deleting the message and then he repeated it because his next point is just saying, I need you to like reach out to me as soon as possible. So I don't know, mm-hmm. like, because there's a there's like a pause where he sort of collects himself. So I didn't know if he like either redid the message or he had to pause to collect himself and then just kind of finish the message. But that was another like little thing I noticed. And I think think that's all our thoughts i mean i have within I, our oh okay. i actually have some more on um, no that's fine because i was cutting myself short too <laughs> i have i i've arrived back at naomi and them so i'll just oh, run through i didn't want to be the one to bring it back <laughs> okay uh i've got a bunch these are just bits all over the place the one uh Marco, oh, Marco and Philip. I'm not going to get into the interaction, but I'm just going to point out there's one line where he talks to Philip about the guy he sacrificed in the first episode. And he goes, Andrew, and he goes, and you loved him. And I was like, are we talking about like love or like communist love where it's like, oh, you love your brothers and sisters. Or are we talking about like love? (laughs) Like what's going on here? Like, is this a clue? What's happening? There was a very heavy emphasis on love. Yeah, but I that's the thing. I'm very I really feel like it could be either way. So if, yeah. if the writers could confirm, that would be interesting. Um the next point I have I did want to talk about yes, is yes. your next note still related no, to that scene? It is not. Mine was. It is not. No, I just really like that scene where you see the different shades of Marco and you can see the multiple dynamics that are playing in their relationship. 
depending on which actor you focus on. Because mm-hmm. Marco's playing it like a supportive, concerned father who's really just trying to like give the hard life lessons to his son. And in that moment where he's kind of grabbing Philip and roughhousing with him a little bit, it looks cute if you just focus on Marco. Yeah. When you look at Philip, he looks like a kid. He looks like he's being bullied almost. Yeah. I like didn't know so how, to, really fun how to, to receive that. that action. I was uncomfortable with it. Keanu Alexander actually did a small interview where he was breaking down that scene and he kind of talks about what you said and he talked about like how as a father when you're trying to make that connection with your son but you don't have the tools to make that connection and what that looks like. Um, Because nobody ever taught him. Yeah. Oh, a little baby who never learned to love. (laughs) Um, The other thing, well, the next thing I have is... um, what is the guy's name who like is Naomi's friend on the ship? Sin. Sin. Uh, his little speech to Naomi. Um, when he talks to her. So what I love, what I really like about their interactions is how they're talking about Philip. And he, there's one part where Sin says, "Don't decide his reasons for him," because Naomi fully believes that Philip has been corrupted, whereas Sin has, you know, he's seen Philip grown up, so he sees a different side. And reminds me of just Naomi's continuous, like, issues with not trying to make the choices for other Belters based on how she believes Belters should move forward. Um, So I like that continuation. But the line I wanted to go for is Sin, again, as this show has done literally from day one, talks about water and air, which I think are just like the two corest of core values for the Belchers. And so I love that they brought that back in his little monologue. Um, they- he specifically says they make us thirst for water and gasp for air. Yeah. So what's cool about That's it? That's a bar. I, know I cut you off. <laughs> Were you going to say more about it? No, go. Okay. Then what's great is he outlines how harsh the world they're living in is. But alternatively, he's also making sure to clarify that this is on purpose. This isn't something that just happened to them. It's something that has been intentionally created. Yep. And that's why they're taking the steps that they have. Yep. Um, in that monologue, he also references Illis because he says, you know firsthand how impossible it is to live on the new worlds. Um, and then there's just like things that he talks about in his monologue that remind me of Drummer because... Uh, he he says even if we did manage to live on these new worlds those kids would no longer be belters um they would they would be inners um and it's just and and he and meanwhile marco is trying to build a life here like within the belter culture and that just struck me because that is exactly the that is exactly the argument that drummer was making way back way back you know a season ago when she was arguing with naomi she said like we are creatures of space. We don't belong down there. And so I'm like, this whole season is just me getting excited for the eventual matchup uh, with Drummer and Marco. I hope it pays off because I, I just want 42 minutes of them like talking about Belter philosophy. Yeah. And what they want for the future. I really do because I like I, I don't think these parallels are unintentional. Like I think they really are trying to draw a line between the two. And I... I like 
we don't know what drummer is going to do yet in this season like what's her big moment just as much as we don't know what naomi is going to do i feel like it's worth pointing out that probably in the next episode drummer is going to come on board and naomi will probably be on board at the same time so what's that going to be all about so that was that was exciting i had a few one more thing i had two more things Mm -hmm. about naomi and then we should probably give a mention to the martians (laughs) um two more things about naomi i really i know this is like not backed up by anything but i really feel like we're getting an unreliable narrator arc here because there are things that marco says to her about the augustine gamora incident there are things that sin says to her that just make me feel like whatever naomi's story is is not the full picture and i don't want to say this in a way that like because again at the end of the day she's sort of a victim of like violence in this in this situation but Mm -hmm. i felt i feel like there's something that's like not being said that gives a slightly different picture of what happened there's a gap between the perspectives that we're getting yes and i like and maybe i'm like hallucinating but i would not be surprised if we if one more piece of information is revealed about this incident because this has been an incident that's been hinted at since like season one basically right i wouldn't be surprised if we get one more piece that changes how we view things or if we don't from the season five trailer it looks like we're getting a flashback to that time period yeah that's true that's true so that makes sense the last thing i have is that her suit is too big for her which is like an intentional yeah but i like the way they cinch it at the waist. <laughs> I mean, it's too big for her because she's, like, skeletal at this point. I don't think it's a cute look. (laughs) She's, like, it's intentionally too big, and she's got, like... I'm the problem with the fashion industry. Seriously. She's got circles under her eyes. Like, her skin is kind of, like, hanging off of her. It's all very intentional, and she's just, like, with each each episode, she's, like, slowly losing the fight in her. Um, Yeah, my girl looking rough. But, you know, good on her for putting it all together in the final moments. That's the Naomi we know and love. And do we have any more notes? The Martians real quick? I mean, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on them? I'm going to be honest. I didn't. I had. Like, it was entertaining. It was cool. I'm sure I'll have more thoughts when we do, like, a more informed breakdown, but for now, it's really just vibing with their scenes. That's true. Um, at the end, I know we were both a little confused about what they dropped. It was something, the energy or whatever you call it from their reactor okay. to make it look like they exploded. Okay. Sure. Um, the other thing is that this is like such a small thing, but I breaking my ban for a minute it does always make me excited whenever alex says here comes the juice just because they've used that line so many times and it's just like you know i don't know i just i was like all right that's cool moving on uh we are halfway through the season we're on episode five i think there are bigger events that are yet to come what are your thoughts for how the season for what the next five episodes I think we're going to see Marco's ability to lead effectively break down. Mm -hmm. 
I think that he probably hasn't planned as far ahead as maybe he needed to or worried about some of the other details. And I think that's also partly because he didn't plan this with any other factions. So I think we can expect to see other factions push back against him. And I think we're going to maybe see that be his downfall. Okay. So I think that comes back to my question of how long is he going to be a villain? Um, my thoughts are like, I, I mean, I know so Mark. We're, we're both guessing that the aliens are going to take over in the lab. Yeah, we haven't had much protomolecule, like, bonanzas lately. Snafus, rather. Um, which is definitely not typical of an Expanse season. So my guess is that the next five episodes are going to involve that. Like the fact that Marco Maybe has a proto- the proto-molecule being mishandled because they don't know that much about it. Right. Like the fact that Marco has a proto-molecule, I feel like hasn't really been um, touched on much, which is like, that's a pretty dangerous weapon. And I know there's like, there's a lot of arguments back and forth about like, oh, the proto-molecule is pretty much like null and void now because it achieved what it needed to do. But I think at the end of the day, it's still like, at, at, at from the very beginning, it's always going to be a bioweapon first. So any sample of it is always going to do the same thing at least that's why they cleaned it off of the ship at the end of season four yeah right exactly so protomolecule has some stuff left to do i i feel like and i'm sure this is true that mars has yet to make its debut i love a good like two villain story arc so as much as marco is the main uh issue right now i'm sure either mars or the protomolecule is going to make things worse I could see us leading into season six. Marco doesn't go away, but the bigger problem just becomes like big old alien shit. Um, And Marco is more of a secondary problem. And I don't really want to think about how the show will end. So I guess I'll just leave my thoughts there. All right. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to check out our breakdowns of season one, where we covered all of the old episodes up to episode six, which dropped at the same time as the one you're listening to right now. In the meantime, you can hit us up at whoownsthestarspod at gmail.com or on Twitter at whoownsthestars. And And we will miss you very much. Let's get ready for the best episode of the season (laughs) that I have no evidence to say so but I feel it in my bones we're gonna stand anyway so (laughs) just having Marco and Drummer in the same room when the best episode of season 4 was the last time they were in the same room alright we'll see ya bye for real